Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. My name is Faship and joining me as always is Gordon Beat. Gordon, how are we today? Yeah, doing pretty well. It's actually decent weather outside for the first time in a while, so nice day. Yeah, well it's interesting over here it's kind of blustery and windy one day and and sunny another time, but um, it's certainly heating up in the NFL through six weeks. Well, entering week six. In fact, it'll be a third of the season gone after this week. Uh, and there's plenty to get into. This is, of course, the preview show for week six. We'll start with a Thursday night football recap. The Bucks knocking off the Eagles in Philly. Have a look at some news, injuries around the league, a bit of COVID news to get to. Do our game picks and then finish with a bit of a discussion on which head coaches we think are in the hot seat and could be in trouble come seasons end. Okay, let's get into it with Thursday night football. It was the Bucks holding off a fast-finishing Philadelphia outfit to record their fifth victory of the season, ensuring their division lead in the South and ending the Eagles' Thursday night football win streak at seven consecutive. 28-22 to 22 the final, although the Bucks built a much bigger lead in the Eagles' uh, scoring couple of touchdowns late. Um Look, Gordo, Tampa had three scores through a quarter and a bit, and it looked like they were going to run away with it. Similarly to last week versus Miami, Philly D couldn't do anything early to stop them, but they did awaken. They picked off Brady. Well, probably could have been twice. Once was overturned after a lengthy review. Uh, and then again, picking off Brady with a deep ball. Um, he finishes the night, Brady, 34-42, 297, two touchdowns and a pick. Big night for Leonard Fournette, 22 carries, 81 yards, and a couple of scores, and then Antonio Brown, uh, there's talk that Brady essentially has three number one receivers in Evans, Goblin and Brown, another nine for 93 and a score. He has 49 catches, 684 yards and 85 per game and eight scores across his last eight games. That Those are number one receiver um, numbers. Uh, the only real sour point in this game for the reigning uh, champs is Richard Sherman. A hamstring concern out in the first quarter. Looks like he's going to miss uh, a couple of weeks at least Gordo. Um, Philly gave him a scare late, but in the end, the Bucs do enough to win it. Yeah, I mean, I think we all expected the Bucs to win. I don't think anyone really expected it to be this close. But, yeah, Philly put up a decent fight, I guess. I mean, you look at the offensive performance and it's really not great at all from Philly and they somehow still manage to get within six points. I mean, Jalen Hurts, 12 of 26, 115 yards. Miles Sanders only carried the ball nine times. I think that's a whole separate issue at the moment, whatever's going on with him and not getting enough carries. That's a major problem, I think, for Philly right now. Um, yeah, the offense, it's just not great at the moment, but they're finding ways to stay in games, I guess. It's it's a tough I didn't think they'd get within six points, but somehow they managed to. I don't think many thought they'd get within six points even halfway through this game. Um, look, obviously, a um, bit of a Philadelphia fan. I've watched all the games this year. Uh, same old story. I mean, you talk about the offense, but both units, slow starts cost them. We talked about the Bucks had 21 points up uh, just over a quarter in Philadelphia. Um, they couldn't get into any sort of rhythm on offense. Todd Bowles and this Tampa D had done their homework. Clearly, they weren't fooled. This Eagles, Nick Sirianni said in the press conference after, we're calling runs. Well, they're calling run pass options, and uh, they don't... Hertz rarely gives it off to Sanders at one carry through the first half. It's not good enough. Um, so what ended up happening is the Bucks knew they weren't going to run the ball on those options, that Kurtz was going to keep it, uh, and they just swallowed him up in the backfield on multiple occasions. Um, look, defensive pass interference calls against Tampa was the most productive play for the Eagles' offense on the night. I mean, they had a 45-yarder against Jamal Dean um, to set up the opening drive score for Philly, and then um, then they went three and out, three and out, pick, um, 
another drive, you know, more three and outs. It was a really, as you say, rough uh, performance really through three quarters. Um, the pick from Hertz, again, a sight all too familiar for Philly fans, kind of lobbing it up down the sidelines, hoping his receiver, Quez Watkins, in question comes up with it. Easy pickings for Jamal Dean, who redeemed himself uh, from his DPI call. And then back to usual in the second half, three straight three and outs. Again, another handy DPI call, 50 yards on Mike Edwards, which set up another score at a missed field goal. Special teams are sloppy. Uh, and the only time we did look uh, efficient moving the ball was when, you know, surprise, surprise, they ran the ball. You talked about Miles Sanders, Gordon. You got more of the, you know, carries that the game went on, uh, which is not normally what you see. Uh, one in the first half, but then some big chunks on that last touchdown drive, 23-14. The crowd's cheering after a lot of booing earlier on. Perhaps Bronx cheers for Sirianni. And the defense, as we say, also improved a big fourth down stop when Brady targeted a clearly ailing OJ Howard, but they couldn't force a Bucks punt on the final drive. As we said, Brady got the ball with five minutes to go. All too familiar story. Philly never got it back. Um, got that inside the 10, run out the clock, you know, and get the win. Um, but, yeah, frustrating. They're going to have to do something about this offensive play calling, um, you know, because it's not good enough. And meanwhile, you know, the Bucks are sailing on first place in their division. Philadelphia looking next week at the Raiders. We'll look and see how they go on the weekend. Um, but, you know, they've got a chance to compete there. We think the division's probably gone to Dallas. But, um, you know, it was always going to be a rebuilding year, Gordo. They just need to show some signs. And it starts with that offensive play calling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was looking through it. Uh, it popped up on Twitter yesterday. Miles Sanders, uh, first half carries. You'll throw it week one, he had six, then nine, two, five, three, and one. That's not a way you want to run an offense at all. It feels like, as a Packers fan, I know a couple of years ago when Mike McCarthy was still coaching and he had Aaron Jones to use and he would barely ever run him. And all the fan base is crying out, uh, you've got this great running back actually let him run the ball and for whatever reason they're just not if if the issue is the rpos then i think you've got to actually call some true runs and not the options there it's he's almost the best player on that philly offense i think that's pretty clear at the moment when he does actually touch the ball he does great things with it it's just yeah for whatever reason he's not getting it at the moment yeah, I think uh, Devonta Smith has a chance to be the best player on that offense, but not with the current service he's getting from Hertz. Sanders coming into the season was seen as the, the star, um, and you're absolutely right, has not been used enough thus far. Perhaps another solution is, you know, give some of the play calling, even for a couple of drives a game, over to Shane Steichen, who's the offensive coordinator at the moment, Sirianni, um, calling those plays on offense. Steichen called plays on offense last season uh, in LA, has done it before. Um, so perhaps that's a solution there, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a town full of a lot of pressure, Philly, even coming off a 4-11 and one season. Um, I don't want to be an embarrassment. So interesting to see how they're there at two and four. Now, as I said, they go to Vegas bucks host Chicago next week. Uh, two more points on this game. One was, I don't know if you saw a Gordo, another kind of bogus taunting penalty. Um, I guess it's the idea of it was a tackle from a loss from a Philadelphia defensive lineman. It just kind of, I guess, got up in the face and that was enough to draw the flag, but one not called on Antonio Brown later in the drive. It's frustrating fans. Um, I think they need to call this when they, as soon as they get a chance, really, this new rule. Yeah, definitely. Um, you look at it, offensive players seem to be allowed to do almost whatever they want to celebrate. A defensive player says something and it's flag. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a horrible rule at the moment. It's not working. I, I don't think I've seen a single person actually enjoy the rule. It's it's just wrong. 
Yes, and the final storyline coming out of the game, Zach Hurts was very emotional uh, when leaving the field and going to the locker room. He had four catches, 29 yards, and a score on the night, and uh, news broke today why that was the case. Uh, Being traded, finally, the Eagles looked to shop him in the offseason, weren't any suitors, but Arizona came calling uh, the three-time Pro Bowl tight end uh, has been sent to Arizona Exchange for quarterback Tagown at a 2022 fifth-round pick, according to sources. Um, a fresh start on a good team for Zach Hertz, but someone who's been on the team a long time, a Super Bowl champion. Um, he said in his press conference, Philly, Philly certainly means a lot to him. Okay, that leads us into some more news and injuries going on around the league. Gordo, uh, what's happening? Yeah, well, uh, talking of Arizona, obviously, who Zach Hertz has just been traded to, uh, they'll be without their coach this Sunday against Cleveland, who's just tested positive for COVID. So at the moment, the NFL has said that they're not considering uh, changing game times or anything, uh, as I'm sure we all remember last year, games were moved occasionally if there were positive tests. But at this point, it looks like the game's going to go ahead. Um, Kingsbury's tested positive, along with the quarterback's coach and a defensive tackle in Zach Allen. Um this was after Chandler Jones tested positive earlier on in the week as well. So hopefully Arizona is able to get on top of this and it doesn't become a bigger issue. Yeah. And I noticed one thing on that, the normally, you know, there's an interim coach, they're splitting the head coaching duties in the weekend, Vance Joseph, DC, former head coach in Denver, and then Jeff Rogers, who is the official assistant head coach and special teams. Interesting to see, because normally, you know, there might be a fourth down decision to make. Interesting to see how they share those duties. Uh, and Steve Kime, also won't be travelling um, with the team as he's also tested positive. That is the general manager. Okay, what's going on with the injuries, Gordon? Uh, well, I mean, it's been a standard NFL week, it feels, in injuries. Um, I think the big one that a lot of people are wondering about this week, uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to be out again for Carolina. So that leaves it up to Chuba Hubbard to... Chuba or Chuba? I'm never sure with how to pronounce that one, but that leaves that up to him to... Uh, take the starting running back duties again. Um, another big, oh, in that same game, Delvin Cook will be active for the first time in a while. Um, the Vikings running game has been going okay without him, but I think he just brings a whole new component to that. Um, he's a massive in for Minnesota. Um, going through more of the games, uh, injuries are pretty much the same as they have been for a while. Um, Tua Tungavailoa should be active for Miami against Jacksonville, so he he's likely to get the start there. Um, Jacoby Brissett filled in over the last few weeks. Didn't do a terrible job, I guess, but I think it will probably give this offense more of a chance to win. Um, and then probably the final big one is Kevin King being out for Green Bay, um, who's already struggling with uh, cornerback issues and they lose another starter. Yeah, that's a big one. The other one I've, Noticed uh, Nick Chubb won't be starting in the Browns game um, against, uh, you know, Arizona, of course, uh, with a calf injury. So it puts the pressure on Kareem Hunt. It's almost a nightmarish situation for fantasy owners. A lot of them would have had Chubb or CMC. Dalvin Cook is active. We're not sure how much game time, of course, Madison's uh, lining up there. But a lot of big names out, um, uh, you know, in the running back position. Um, mentioned Kevin King, massive out. Of course, we'll talk about that secondary. We'll get onto that game very shortly. Um but, yes, some, some key injuries around the league. Oh, and the other one was just for that London game. Talk about Tua um, being reactivated. Jacoby Brissett was actually listed as questionable, which surprised me. I didn't, didn't see a hamstring injury. It's under. I didn't see anything during the game. He did go off for a short period, but that might still be a niggle. So, luckily, they do have Tua back there. Okay. 
Let us move on to um, the week six slate. Start in the early window. In fact, we want to start in London with that Miami at Jacksonville game. Uh, Gordo, two of, um, well, from a wins and loss perspective, the worst teams we've seen this season. Um, Miami arguably been worse than Jacksonville the last few weeks. Jacksonville got close to Cincinnati. Um, whereas Miami, <coughs> excuse me, blown out by Tampa Bay last week. Um, I guess, where do you, how do you see this one finishing up? It just feels like a standard London game, to be honest. I don't know why they do it, but they the NFL seems to schedule some fairly, uh, I don't know how to put this nicely, um, less entertaining games in London. Um, it's probably going to be a low-scoring matchup. Uh, Miami's defense, which has struggled so far this year, is going up against an offense that isn't great in its own right. Neither team really has a great side on either side of the ball. Um, yeah, I don't think either of us is necessarily going to be waking up or staying up till 12.30 in the morning to watch this. I think that pretty much sums up where we're at with this one. Yeah, I mean, I've got to agree. I'm, I'm actually going to go for Jacksonville in this one. I like, I think Trevor Lawrence has, you know, been building, building. We saw him on primetime on that Thursday night game I mentioned against since he looked good. I actually like him against a, a Miami defense that hasn't been good. Clearly, Jacksonville will give up points. Um, I'll go 24-21, Jacksonville getting off the schneid, easing pressure on Urban Meyer. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to have to split that one here. I'm going to go with Miami. Um, I I think with two are back, they get a boost there. Regardless of how he's played so far this year, I think against a pretty poor Jacksonville team, yeah, I think Miami probably wins this one. It probably will be close, but something like 20-17 Miami here. Yes, that's probably my one kind of out there pick for the week. Um, We'll start for the early window. Obviously, Gordo, your team, so you've got that first pick there. But we'll start with, I think, what's widely recognised to be the game of the round, the Chargers at Baltimore. Um, two, four, and one teams, two teams coming off crazy wins. Of course, Chargers, another AFC North team. It was the Browns, the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, that comeback win over the Colts. It's it's a real, you talk about a coin flip game, Gordo. Um, it is a coin flip. And which side of the coin are you going for this week? Uh I'm still not entirely sure on this one. It probably will be the best game of the week. I mean, definitely the early slate. Uh, there's not much else that's going to come close to it. But, yeah, I think I like LA here. Um, Herbert, the way he's been playing, I mean, you could argue both quarterbacks are, what, top three or four, maybe in the MVP race at the moment. Uh, we saw what Lamar did against the Colts on Monday night. Uh, we saw what Herbert did against the Browns. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be another shootout. Um, the Chargers' defense has been leaking a few points recently. Baltimore's—it's it, not what it once was. Uh, this team's really relying on Lamar to carry them. So I'm really looking forward to watching how the two of them uh, go against each other. Really, I think I'm going to go with LA, uh, 35 to 30. It's almost similar to what they went through last week. I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is probably one that I will be tossing and turning over across the weekend. I've got 35-34 Ravens, but that could easily change. So I guess watch this space. Point for me on this one is this is the best game of the week, as we've mentioned, and CBS sending their fourth overall crew there, Greg Gumbel, Adam Archuleta. They've, of course, um, we talk about how America's game of the week is never the game of the week. That is Dallas, New England. So, of course, they send Romo and Nance there. The second overall team uh, is in Washington for the KC-Washington game. The third overall team, uh, unbelievably, the team um, that did the Chargers-Browns game last week, uh, Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, they're in London for Miami and Jacksonville. So don't ask me what's going on there. But, yes, 
not a good decision there by CBS, but we'll still be hoping um, for a good game uh, and both with really undecided Gordo at this stage for the Chargers, me for the Ravens. We'll go to Gordo's first pick. It is the Packers. They're in Chicago for an NFC North matchup. The winner uh, actually takes over first position uh, in the division, of course, a 4-1 and team in the Packers and a 3-2 and team in the Bears back-to-back victories. Um, I think I can guess which way we're going with this one, Gordo, but how competitive do you think it'll be? It's a Bears-Packers game. I think these ones are always competitive. Um, I mean, last year there were a couple of blowouts. Oh, first one was a blowout, the second one was a bit closer. But, yeah, it feels like the last couple of weeks the Bears, they haven't necessarily been putting up great numbers on offense, but it just looks like they're um, working better as a unit. Uh, Fields has really you know, inspired something in this offense. And I think uh, Nagy giving up the play calling as well has had a big impact here. Uh, they just look more like a proper football team for the first time in a while. Um, and, yeah, the Packers, again, a banged-up defence, missing what, two of their top three corners. I think Eric Stokes is probably taking over from Kevin King as number two there. So two of their three starting corners are out. Uh, Zadarius Smith is still out on that defence. So, again, they're in trouble. Uh, the offence, though, should be getting back Elton Jenkins and Josh Myers. So the offensive line's which needs to be really good against his Bears pass rush, should be better. Uh, obviously, they're still missing Bakhtiari, but Jenkins can probably fill in the left tackle there. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Packers here. Um, I want to be pessimistic, but I, I can't see them losing this one. Um, I mean, Rogers has played so well against the Bears for so long, I just can't bet against him here. Something like the Packers winning 27 to 20. I think the Bears will keep it close, but the Packers just come away with it in the end. Yeah, I largely agree with all of that. I think the Bears have won the the um, in their two wins. In the last two weeks, they've won the turnover battle. That's crucial again. You talk about um, finding some rhythm on offense. It's really, it reminds me of the 2018 team, dominant defensive play and offense limiting the mistakes, uh, key drives when they needed to. They got them against Vegas on the weekend on the road. I still like uh, the Packers 24 to 20. Um, of course, could very well be the last time uh, Aaron Rodgers players in Chicago has tormented the Bears for much of his tenure. Okay, on to Kansas City at Washington. A lot of people predicting a high-scoring one uh, in this one, two of the worst defences statistically in the league. Um, I think most people see this as a chance for Patrick Mahomes to remind everyone who Patrick Mahomes is. Of course, touched uh, picks last week. He's got six. That's the same amount as he had all of last season, more than he had in his MVP season in 2019. Uh, um, 19, sorry, when they won the Super Bowl. Um, I think they'll win this. I don't think it'll be close. Something like 42 to 24. Um, Washington will be able to score points because the Chiefs can't stop anyone on defense, but a big win back to 500 for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think I'll have to agree with you here. Um, we've seen, I think, enough to know that this Washington defense really isn't what it was built up to be at the start of the year. We know the Chiefs are terrible. So, yeah, it probably will be high scoring, but that Chiefs offense is just so much better than Washington's. They're going to be able to score more than Washington will. Uh, I think if the defence gets one or two stops, Kansas City wins this pretty easily. So, yeah, something like 35 to 20, I think. It's, yeah, Kansas City fairly easily here. Yeah, another point is Mahomes coming off his biggest loss of his career outside of that Super Bowl loss to the Bucks, and biggest loss ever at home, 18 points. He's, before that, he'd only lost... Uh, they never lost by more than one possession at home. The Bills really did a number on the Chiefs there on Sunday night football. We both like them to rebound, get back to 500. Uh, Gordo's second pick was, I think, really one of the more underrated, entertaining matchups. You've got Minnesota 
um, back to two and three. They'll be looking to get back to 500, of course, with the Bears and the Packers above them in the division. Just escaped the Lions last week. They go to Carolina, who dropped one they shouldn't have at home to Philadelphia. They're three and two. Um, a really entertaining matchup in this one. Gordo, who do you like? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with the Vikings here. Um, I, I took this thinking, okay, maybe CMC is going to be back and we're going to get a sort of entertaining matchup. I think without him, this Panthers offense has really struggled uh, from what it was the first quarter. That Texans game, really, you could really see the difference between him in the team. They were going, they were moving the ball really easily, and then he gets hurt and everything suddenly stops. Um, I think Darnold's relying on him almost too much. Uh, the rest of the offense is still solid, but McCaffrey's obviously the one that really makes it work. And then Minnesota getting caught back probably really uh, turns it in their favor. Um, I saw one argument saying they're a better team with Cook out because they don't rely on the run as much and the play calling is more varied, but uh, I don't think that's really going to matter here. Um, however much he plays, Madison's still a solid backup. It's, I think Minnesota's probably got better players at every position, so they'll easily be able to outscore the Panthers. I think something like, uh, what, 27 to 13. Yeah, you talk, people talk about, um, you know, the Vikings offense being more productive without Cook. Well, what do they score the last two weeks? 19 against Detroit and seven against Minnesota. So hasn't exactly been very productive. I like Kirk Cousins to get back on track. However, being the Vikings, I think they, they let this game become a lot closer than it should be. I like this going to overtime, the Vikings 27 to 21 um, with the win. If Sam Darnold's going to have a chance of winning this game, he has to show something. I mean, last week his throwing deficiencies were exposed against that Philadelphia team, three picks. Um, if he does get into a shootout against Kirk Cousins, I think we all know who we'd go, uh, we'd lean towards. And the Vikings defense has been better the last couple of weeks. So interesting to see what they can do with their CMC, as we talked about a big uh, out for a third straight week. Both of us like Minnesota in that matchup. We go to New York, the Giants. Um, a lot of heat on Joe Judge at the moment there. One and four, they host the Rams coming off a Thursday night win. So that's a long break uh, for Sean McVay's team. They're four and one. Um, I don't like this one as a close game, Gordo. I think 34 to 17, the exact same prediction I made last week for the Giants game. It's Cowboys. I like the exact same score. I think a uh, big day for Stafford. I mean, you look at who he's got to throw with Deshaun Jackson, Cooper Cup, um, you know, Robert Woods, Tully. There's so many pieces on this offense. Um, you know, this defense, I think, is slowly building. They had a couple of poor weeks. They were better last week against Seattle. Um, this is just a, really a get-right game. I don't think it's a trap game. I think the Giants are desperate, but I don't think uh, the injuries they've got on offense is, is – we talked about it on the on the, uh, on the um, recap show. They will likely, Daniel Jones, predicted to play this week. But, you know, of course, they lost Barkley. Um, they've lost, what, four of their leading Golladay they lost last week. Um, it's going to be very tough. This would be a very gutsy and a defining win and perhaps winning for their coach. Joe Judge is under a lot of pressure, but uh, I don't see it happening. I, I like the Rams comfortably. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree there as well. Uh, Kadarius Tony's questionable as well as is Darius Slayton. So that's what four. That's everyone. Five or six real offensive weapons um, outside of Sterling Shepard, who's who's actually back after missing two weeks with a hamstring. So, yeah, you mentioned Daniel Jones. Even if he is right to go, based on the hit he took and how he looked last Sunday, I'm not sure how right he really is. Concussion is going to affect you, I think, for a lot longer than a couple of days. So. I don't think he'll be at full availability either. So, yeah, it's. 
I, the Rams win this real comfortably. Um, yeah, I think they'll have to go something similar to you, 32, 10, something like that. And we go to Detroit. The Lions back at home. They've had two now uh, soul-crushing defeats at the buzzer. Field goals above 50 yards, of course, 66-yarder from Tucker in week four against the Ravens, and then that one last week um, in Minnesota. They welcome Cincinnati to town. Now, Gordo, Cincinnati have been very good, but they're three and two. Um, they lost that tight one to your Packers last week. They really can't afford to go into Detroit and lost another one and go to 300, especially when you've got two good teams in the Browns and Ravens in the division. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think they've been a real surprise packet so far this year. They've looked so much better than everyone's expected them to, but even then it feels like Zach Taylor's still under a ton of pressure, uh, whether that's right or wrong. Um, yeah, they should win this if Taylor... If they were to lose this, I think there'd be a lot more pressure on Zach Taylor. Even with the wins that they've had, they've relied on, I don't know if you can call it luck, but they've had a game-winning field goal against the uh, Jags and the Vikings, and then the Steelers' win was against a absolutely terrible Steelers' offense. So their wins haven't necessarily been that convincing. So I think this one, they really need to come out and beat a uh, Owen five team fairly convincingly for Taylor to uh, avoid some scrutiny for another week. I think they will. Um, Detroit, as I don't know, as closely as they've played these teams, they're just not there yet. So yeah, Cincinnati winning this twenty four to seventeen. I think Detroit keeps it close, but just fail at the end again. Yeah, I'm very similar, 27 to 20, a touchdown win for the Bengals. Zach Taylor's a fascinating one. Uh, we'll hold that conversation, get back onto it when we're doing our discussion on coaches on the hot seat. The last game in the early window, it's the Texans on the road in Indianapolis. Um, Colts looking to redeem themselves after that uh, choked lead on Monday Night Football against the Ravens. Um, Houston, Davis Mills looked very good against that uh, Patriots offense for a half, and then they choked that away in the second half. So two teams looking to redeem um, choked leads. Um uh, uh, look, Colts for me, Gordo, two scores, 26 to 14. I think they're way too good of a team to start one and five. Um, and that's pretty much all there is to it. I'm going to be honest here. I'm I'm seriously considering going with the Texans. Um, I really like the way that Davis Mills played last week. I think they win that game if they don't make that horrible error on the punt. And I don't know, Indianapolis, they're just something's not right about this team this year. Um, I know Wentz is probably coming off his best game of the season, but I think I'm going to go with the Texans in overtime. This just feels like a real trap game for Indianapolis. It's one that they should win. Uh, it's one that they need to win to keep any hope of playoffs alive. But I just see Houston getting up and winning this um, 24 to 21. I think maybe in overtime, they somehow managed to do it. I've got a, I feel like I've got to go with one uh, sort of upset for the week. You went with Jacksonville over Miami. I'm going with Houston here. Yeah, let's, I tell you what, if I had picked them as my certainty pick, which was a close one, then I'm sure they would have gone and lost it. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a reasonable pick. It's like like my kind of Jacksonville and Miami. You can see it happening. But uh, that would be crushing for Colts fans, um, especially after coming off what happened on Monday Night Football. But, yes, that rounds out the early window of games. Uh few less. Of course, we've got four teams on the bye. The Jets and Atlanta coming back from the London trip and New Orleans and San Francisco also on their buys. The earliest time for a buy in this season is week six. Uh, that's why there's only three games in the late window. And we'll start with my first overall pick, Arizona at Cleveland. We've talked about this game. 
Um, no Cliff Kingsbury, a couple of assistants missing um, for Arizona. On the flip side, Cleveland losing arguably their best offensive player in Nick Chubb. Um, a lot of people out here not giving very much respect to Arizona as the last undefeated team. They think Cleveland will win it. I'm part of that group. Um, I do like Cleveland in this one. I think it's an overtime game. I think it's 30 to 27 on a field goal. Um, you know, Cleveland played well enough to win last week. This defense, which we've been talking up for a couple of weeks, just, uh, you know, allowed, what was it, 47 points. I like them to have a rebound week. Cards maybe struggling on offense for a second straight week. Um, excuse me. Finding a way to confine Kyle Murray in the pocket. Um, the secondary has been better with the additions they had uh, in the um, in the offseason coming across from the Rams. So perhaps they do a good job against DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I do like Cleveland, 30-27, to 27, a relatively... High scoring game, but in the end, they do enough to not fall for the second straight week in a tight one. Yeah, I mean, I was going to probably go with Arizona until the uh, COVID news came out. Um, I just don't see them winning without a coach. I mean, I know Cleveland did it last year in the playoffs, but yeah, it, Cleveland's a good enough team, I think, to win this. It's at home. Um, they even without Chubb, I mean, Kareem Hunt is probably the best backup running back in the league by a long way. So he could probably be starting on half the teams in the league. So as good as Chubb's been, I don't think he's a massive loss when you consider what his backup is. So the offense probably runs through Hunt for the day. Um, Arizona, they're a good team. Um, I think I had them as the one seed when we did that at the end of last episode. But yeah, it, I think Cleveland wins this. They're, they're a really good team. I think that's that's pretty clear at this point. And they're good enough to beat a team without a coach, something like 31 to 17. Okay, so more of a bigger margin. The interesting thing I've just realised, um, Cliff Kingsbury calls plays and they don't have an offensive coordinator. Um, so who will be calling plays? That could be a bit, I presume Cameron Turner, who's the quarterback's coach, um, will be doing that. But that's a, kind of an, an underrated storyline in this one. Um, there was an offensive coordinator to call plays for the Browns in that wildcard game this week. Um, Cameron Turner on the cards, been there since 2018 as an offensive assistant with Bruce Aaron's worked his way up. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's a big role for him, presuming he is the one calling plays. I haven't seen any news to break about who uh, else might be doing it, but we both have Cleveland ending Arizona's unbeaten streak. Okay, to Denver, another uh, – well, not another, but an interesting divisional matchup here. Vegas, you know, we've talked a lot about um, the week they've had. Uh, Rich Passaccia, new coach. The team, they probably just want to forget about all of that, you know, off the field stuff and go out and play a good game of football. Two losses in a row, three and two. Denver, another team who started three and oh, two losses in a row. Disappointing um, last couple of weeks against AFC North opponents in the the Ravens and the Steelers. I actually like Vegas in this one, Gordo. I think they're a better team. Um, 26 to 23. Uh, field goal at the buzzer. Uh, the Raiders get a, a, you know, an impressive win, I guess. Yeah, uh, this feels like uh, what? three weeks ago we would have been billing this as a potential game of the week and then yeah the last two weeks for both teams have been horrible on the field so I think I'm going to go with Denver here purely because it's at home um, they, they sort of kept up with Pittsburgh last week they got into it late uh, lost because they threw a pick on the final drive yeah I, I, I think I've got to go with Denver here um, they managed to uh, sort of right the ship, I guess, and Vegas continues to fall. Um, I'll take Denver 20 to 17. That Vegas offense has really been struggling. And then 
with a new coach, I don't see it getting any better. Oh, I've got to be honest. I mean, I didn't see the entirety of the Pittsburgh-Denver uh, game, but I'm not sure what riding the shit was. They were, you know, down, what, three scores with in the last quarter. They had to come back and score two scores late. But um, admittedly, you watched that game and I didn't. Obviously, it was a far more disappointing performance from Las Vegas, scoring nine points against against uh, the Bears. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a tight one. I'll take Vegas. Just one more point um, on the kind of uh, the whole John Gruden, Washington football team. Scandal. There's been a lot of talk as to why Gruden has been the, you know, the kind of singled out. Um, his emails have been released and the, all the other thousands of emails from Washington haven't been released. The NFL essentially has claimed, according to Pro Football Talk, that the email trove, there's nothing else in it that compels a similar style of action as to what happened to John Gruden. So nothing else deserves a resignation or a firing. Um, however, they won't release them. So they won't let the public have a look at that. So uh, I think there's a bit more to play out there. We could see some more resonations. There was a, a key NFL lawyer um, involved in some controversial uh, emails to Bruce Allen. So a bit to play out there off the field, but let's get back onto the field. The last game in the late window, it is Builders America's Game of the Week. We should keep a running tally, Gordon, find out how many weeks in a row they call the Game of the Week that probably isn't the Game of the Week. But um, it's in New England, I guess, Dallas coming to town. So it's America's team versus another team that sees itself as America's team over the past 20 years. Um, no, Romo and, and Nance will be there and Wolfson. Um, I think this is a comfortable win for Dallas personally. Uh, they've been, we talk about it, one of the best teams in the conference. The defense stepping up, the offense looks unstoppable. Whereas New England, who barely got over the top of Houston last week, I like Dallas. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to go a bit closer than I think because I think Bill Belichick you know, has some weight. I've gone 33 24, uh, a two score win to Dallas. Yeah, um, Dallas obviously have been incredible this year. Um, it looks like this is finally the year that they're putting it all together and actually making it their year. I mean, you get all the memes every year of all oh, down here this year. I think it actually might be. Um, I think I'm going to lock this win, actually. Uh, Dallas winning fairly comfortably uh, based on what I saw from New England last week. That gave me zero confidence at all, tipping them going forward. They needed a fair bit to go their way to beat one of the worst teams in the league. So, yeah, I like Matt Jones. He's been solid so far this year, but there's no way he's keeping up with Prescott in this offense. So, Dallas, uh, 35 to 17. Okay, there is Gordo's lock of the week. It is the Dallas Cowboys against the Patriots. He's 4-1 and of the season. I am 3-2, and two, and we'll get to mine just shortly. That rounds out the late afternoon schedule. As I mentioned, only three games. We move to Sunday night football. Al Michaels won't be on the call. He's taking the week off. Uh, smart thing to do, I guess, when you've got this game on the schedule. Seattle at Pittsburgh. My treat will be there with Chris Collinsworth. Michelle Foy to cover it uh, from the Steel City. Pittsburgh got a big win. Snapped a three-game losing streak last week. They're 2-3, and three, still last in the division. Seattle, uh, not just a loss of a game, but they lose Russell Wilson. Iron Man streak. Um, this is the first time since week 17 of 2011 that he has not been starting in a regular season week. Um, instead, Geno Smith, who I guess was up and down, had a nice touchdown drive, but then a poor pick uh, against the Rams in the second half last week. Uh, and this is my lockup. I'm locking up the Steelers. I think Geno Smith against, and you know, compiling that with a weak Hawks defense, their worst in yards and 20th in points uh, under Ken Norton, this unit. Um, I think if Ben been limit, big Ben, excuse me, limits his mistakes like he did last week, Najee Harris has a chance to string back-to-back good performances together. He was promising last week. Um, yeah, I like the Steelers relatively comfortable, say 28 to 17. Yeah, I mean, a, a week ago before the Rams game, if you'd said, oh, uh, the Steelers would be 
heavily favoured probably to win this game. I would have called you nuts. But, yeah, it, it just feels like Pittsburgh should win this. Uh, they need to, to keep up with that division. Seattle, if assuming they lose this, it's probably the start of a really poor season for them. Um, I can't see them really bouncing back after this, uh, especially with Russ going on injured reserve today. I mean, he's going to miss at least the next three weeks. It's Yeah, I think you've got to go with Pittsburgh here as long as they run the offense around Najee Harris. If they let Ben throw 50 times, Seattle wins. If they have him throw maybe 30 times, I think Pittsburgh wins this fairly easily. Just give Harris the ball and just let him run against what has been, I think, on track to allow the most yards in NFL history in this defense. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, Pittsburgh wins. I think I'll go closer, um, something like 21-17. Their defense is good enough, I think, to carry them through this game, even if the offense isn't. Yeah, and Chris Carson, of course, also put an IR with Wilson, so the hits keep on coming for Geno Smith, a big task for him. It's interesting on Seattle. I think entering... The season, I really wanted to keep them out of the playoffs, but you thought Russell Wilson's there. He's going to at least get them in contention. I, I slipped them in as my seven seed, but you're right. It does look like, you know, worrying signs. If they lose this one, um, they play Jacksonville. So, uh, no, sorry, no, no, they play New Orleans at home. That's a big game. Then Jacksonville, then a bye, and then at Green Bay, uh, Arizona. You know, so it's, it doesn't get any easier. Um, on the flip side of this, Pittsburgh, this is a game you can't afford to lose. We've talked about how they're already fourth in the division. They've, they've lost a head-to-head game um, with the Bengals. That means they've got two games against the Ravens coming up. They've got two games against the Browns coming up. Um, they've got the bye after this game, and then it is at Cleveland. So they really want to get back to 300, 500, excuse me, at the bye. A crucial game here on Sunday Night Football, and we move to Monday Night Football. Buffalo Bills, probably the hottest team in the league. Um, at the end of last show, Gordon and I, we did our top three for each division. If we'd done our top three in the league, I think we probably would have had the Bills above each conference, sorry. We probably would have had the Bills above uh, the cards. I'll check with you on that, Gordo. But um, uh, I think they're the best team in the league at the moment. Tennessee, meanwhile, same issues. Defense is quite leaky. Gave up points even to the Jags. Lost the Titans, uh, the, the Jets, sorry, a couple of weeks ago. Tannehill hasn't quite been as effective throwing the ball as he was, you know, even with limited opportunities uh, in the last couple of seasons. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be enough. This Bills defense was very impressive against Kansas City. I think they do it again on the road. Uh, the Bills win 36 to 26. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you there as well. Um, I think they are the best team in football right now, even if they don't necessarily have the best record. Um, yeah, the Bills, they're just, they're solid all over. They're probably the most well-rounded team in the league. Uh, this defense has been incredible. Uh, two shutouts, limiting Mahomes to what was probably his worst game of his career, even including that Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think you've got to go with the Bills here, um, even though it is in Tennessee. Buffalo wins. I don't know if it's going to be comfortable. I think Tennessee, that offense, Derek Henry, is good enough to keep them in it. But, yeah, I've got to go with Buffalo here. They were my preseason Super Bowl tip. I think I'm sticking with that still. I've just got to tip them from here on out. So, Buffalo, uh, 31 to 20. It's interesting. Presuming the Colts win and, t- and even if Tennessee lose, they're at 500 and they'll still have a two-game lead in the division. Um, so that tells you all you need to know about the AFC South. Um, mentioned our power rankings. Uh, keep an eye out next week after our preview, our recap show of week six. We'll be doing an extra show midweek where we just have a little look after one-third of the season, our predictions, awards and everything, and power rankings in the first 
uh, how we see the teams and players stacking up after one third of the season. So keep an eye out for that. Okay, moving on to the final segment of today's show. We're going to be looking at coaches on the hot seat. Always a pressing topic among NFL circles. Statistically, you get seven, eight firings a year. Um, there was quite a few last year. Now this season, there's, there's coaches on the hot seat. So what we're going to do, we're going to go back and forth, each naming some coaches we think, um, you know, uh, are in trouble and, and probably need to have impressive um, finishes to the season um, to to keep their jobs in no particular order. I'll kick us off, Gordo. I'll start with Joe Judge, um, head coach, of course, second-year head coach uh, with the New York Giants, came from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Um, not very much success comes from that. Last year, a 1-7 and seven start, a good finish. They finished 6-10, and 10, just that one win, of course, away from the division title. So, um, you know, Lipsy got a pig in that sense, I guess, made it because they got so close to the division title, it made that... Um, Record looked a little bit better than it was. There was a lot of talk um, about the offense getting better because it was the defense, really, that helped them finish so well. They gave up 20, 30 points only uh, twice last year and only once after – and not a single time, excuse me, after week five. Conversely, this offense was bad under Jason Garrett, quarterback um, Daniel Jones, 20 turnovers to 12 touchdowns throughout the season, and they were second last in points and yards. Um, now, you look at history of Giants coaches. Tom Coughlin, of course, two-time Super Bowl winner, uh, resigning after 2015 – Ben McAdoo got a season and a half, and then he was fired midway through his second year, even though they made the playoffs the year before. Of course, he benched Eli Manning. Then Pat Shermer got two years, 5-11, and 4-12. and 12. He was out. Um, New York's a city that expects nothing less than championships. The Jets are uh, a laughing stock, so it comes down to the Giants, and they uh, have only been to the playoffs once since that 2011 Super Bowl. So there is a lot of pressure on Judges. 7-14, and 14. of course, they're 1-4 and four through this season. They got a win. Um in New Orleans, that was good. That lifted the pressure after two horrible losses. We remember that Thursday night football game with the defensive offside penalty on the game-winning field goal attempt, so they lose to Washington. Then they lost to the the, the Falcons. They gave up um, uh, 13 points in the last quarter to squander that one away. Big loss in Dallas last week. If they keep losing, we talk about how tough their schedule is. I mean, after this game, Carolina at Kansas City, Vegas in the bye in Week 10. I think that Week 10 bye, I've said it before, is prime time for a firing. Whether or not it is Judge or it's say Jason Garrett, I think he's probably you know he's set up to be the sacrificial lamb in that um, in that situation. Yeah, I think I mean you can talk about Urban Meyer, but I think arguably Joe Judge right now, Gordo, uh, is in the most amount of trouble of any coach of the thirty-two franchises. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Um, New York, a big market, a lot of media pressure. It feels like he's probably the most in trouble. Um, I think. <laughs> I've not necessarily gone with the ones that would be most on the hot seat here. I think just ones that are underperforming in a way. I mean, the first one, uh, Mike Zimmer. I'm not sure what Minnesota is going to do there. Say they do finish the season at, what, 500 or so, which is what it feels like they're heading for. Uh, they're not bad enough to win only four or five games, but they don't feel good enough to make the playoffs. It's... It's a weird situation. This one, he's got two playoff wins in, what is it, uh, eight years as head coach. He's made the playoffs three times, so he's got a less than 500 record there. It's If they finish the year and they miss the playoffs again, I think he's in real trouble. I, I think it's a fascinating one. I, I did an article on this, and I did include it. He was kind of the... Of the, I think the six I mentioned, he was the one I thought was most safe, but still he's in the he's in the conversation. Absolutely, you're right. Um, he's kind of been going one year on, one year off, and they played no the playoffs 2015 with Teddy Bridgewater. That was a really fun team. They, they won the division. You'd remember them. And then Blair Walsh misses from 27 yards out. That's how they lost their first 
playoff game. Two years later, they're back. Of course, they win an amazing game. The division around the Minneapolis Miracle, Case Keenum to Stefan Diggs for that game-winning touchdown against the Saints. They lose in Philadelphia the championship round. Um, then they bring Kirk Cousins across $84 million fully gallantry contract, um, and they go 8-7-1 and one. in his first year. In 2019, they make the playoffs, and they upset uh, New Orleans in overtime uh, in the wildcard round, and then get blown out in San Francisco in the divisional round. And then last year, um, a, a slow start, a better second half of the season, they finished seven and nine. And you did feel like if they, you know, bottomed out again this season, he could be in trouble. Um, a couple of really tough losses. They got the big win against Seattle, another tough loss to uh, the Cleveland Browns. And then it's interesting to think that a lot of people saying his job was saved because they didn't lose to Detroit last year, uh, last week, excuse me. Big game now against Carolina. You look at the schedule ahead. They've got the bye after that. And then have a look at this. Dallas, Baltimore, at Baltimore, at the Chargers, Green Bay, at San Francisco. So, you know, what a what a kind of five-week stretch that is. They're all playoff teams, you mean, questionable San Francisco. But that could be, if they go, you know, 0-5 in them and they're sitting at, you know, 3-8 and eight or whatever, um, I, I, I could buy that he'd be fine. I mean, he's been there quite a while, so maybe they give him the season. Uh, owners, he will be expecting, I think, at the very least, a playoff appearance when they're 3-8. and eight. They're clearly not going to make the playoffs. Um, look, it's been an up-and-down tenure. He's 65, so he's getting on a bit. You wonder if he'll get another go if he gets fired now. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, that five-week stretch I just read you out after the bye – um, you know, that'll come down to whether or not Mike Zimmer keeps his job or not. And, of course, you've got an NFC perspective on it, uh, NFC North perspective on it, Gordo. What have you made of his tenure just in general? I mean, you talked about the wins and losses. Um, do you think he's, he's done well with that Minnesota franchise? It feels like he's sort of underperformed in a way. It feels like every year they've got a really stacked team everywhere. Um, Cousins is a solid at worst quarterback. He can be really good on his good days. Um, the defense feels like it's always been pretty good. Uh, they've always had the offensive weapons. I mean, you look at it now, they've got Jefferson, Thiel and Cook. They're stacked there. And they just, every year it feels like they should be doing so much better than they actually are. They seem to always start slowly. Um, and then there was that one year where I think they started, what, 5-0 and missed the playoffs. Yeah, so either 2016. They start really slowly and finish well, or they'll start incredibly and then completely fall off. So they don't seem to just be able to find that consistency throughout a year and then like consistency overall as well. I mean, you mentioned um, having the one year missing playoffs in, playoffs missing in, missing in. They just, they can't put together enough good games in a row. I guess his saving grace is that he's never finished below seven and nine. Uh, he's finished there in his first season and last season, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that 2016 season, I mean, for his credit, he's had a lot of quarterbacks. So they had Teddy Bridgewater, 2015, 2016, Sam Bradford started that season. 2017, Bradford gets injured on Monday Night Football uh, in week one against the Saints, and they play Case Keenum. And then, of course, Cousins the last few weeks. He's, uh, but arguably the biggest issue has been his defence. supposed to be good, especially the last couple of years, really fallen away uh, and allowed a lot of points. So that'll be an interesting one to monitor. Um, okay, I'll continue on your theme of picking coaches that it's interesting perhaps aren't at the top of our list and top of anyone's list, but it'll be interesting to think about whether or not they're, you know, they could be fired if things go badly. I'll go to Brian Flores in Miami. Um, now, the one reason I think most people don't think he'll get fired, he got a five-year fully guaranteed contract from the Dolphins. And this is um, halfway through, essentially, the contract, two and a half years um, in now. We all remember how 2019 started. They thought they were the worst team in football. They rebounded. They got five wins. Last season, the big step forward, Fitzpatrick and Tua kind of sharing the starting role, 10 and six, just a win away from the playoffs. 
And this, they've, they've come out and they've started one and four. Obviously, they haven't had two or three few weeks per set. The offense hasn't been able to do much. I think we've talked about on this show, Gordo, that we think his fortunes is very much tied to Tua, um, who we think will be back this week. If they do lose to the Jags, I think then we're talking a bit of trouble, Trown. Um, I thought, when I looked at the schedule, I thought the first five weeks was the toughest stretch. They've made it through that. Jacksonville, Atlanta, at Buffalo, Houston, Baltimore. You know, it's, it's not an easy schedule by any means. Um, I just wonder if they really bottom out and say they where they go three and 14. I wonder if we think he is a chance to get fired. I know he's got a fully guaranteed contract, but it, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen um, coaches agree, uh, sorry, owners agree to just pay them out and just get rid of them and clean house again. Could you see that as a possibility if they really do bottom out and get, say, three or four wins? Yeah, no, definitely. I think as well, a big uh, thing will have an impact here is the fact that they don't have their own first round pick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's. <laughs> it's not like they'll even be able to benefit from playing terribly. So yeah, it, it's, it's such a weird situation here. It feels like they were really on the up and on the up and then something has gone wrong this year. I think having the two offensive coordinators been, has been a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, just nothing about this offense has worked well. I mean, you mentioned, um, yeah, he's struggled without Tua. They were struggling with Tua as well. That's the thing. It's not like um, he's made this offense any better. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it does feel like his fortunes are tied to however Tua does by the end of the year. If he's shown enough promise, if they've got reason to believe he's the future going forward, I think they keep Flores because you don't want to um, ruin a quarterback by changing too much around him. But if if by the end of the year it's not looking promising, if Tua has really struggled, I, I don't know if they'd consider firing him, but there'd definitely be changes made. I don't know if Flores is the answer or the offensive coordinator, but something will change there definitely. Yeah, I mean, you look at that week one, the only one on the season in New England, that they were what that was the fumble. I can't remember who the back could be changed like, but they're one that if that fumble doesn't happen, they're likely on five on the season. Uh, another grenade to be lobbed into this discussion is, of course, um, Deshaun Watson. They're always the team that's linked to him. Of course, there's a lot of legal stuff to play out with that, but say theoretically, he was able to be playing. They're always the ones that are linked to him. So perhaps if Tour and Flores have a bad year, they just clean house and they bring in Watson, they bring in Eric Bieniemy, say, for instance, and see what they can get going there. Um, certainly a possibility. And, yes, I I take credit for my Miami pick. I had them going backwards in this season only because I'm such a terrible prognosticator, as you know, normally, Gordo. I've had the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, you're right. Though. A lot of team people thought they could even contend with the Bills, perhaps, for, this, for the division title, and that's certainly... Lost. They've got winning games on the schedule. They've got the Jets twice, Falcons, Texans, Giants. But, um, yeah, it's certainly a possibility we could see Flores gone um, only three years into his tenure. Okay, Gordo, your second pick. This one, I've been tossing up on this, whether I do or don't think this is going to happen, but I probably need your opinion, actually. Nick Sirianni. It, just, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like much has gone right for him so far. The play calling and just... Everything going on with the Eagles' offense, it feels like it's really struggling. Um, just some of the decisions that have been made. Uh, we talked about Miles Sanders earlier, not getting enough carries. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, you from an Eagles fan's perspective probably has a better read on this, but it doesn't feel like he's doing enough to convince me that he's going to be a good head coach long term. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, you have to wonder what Jeffrey Lurie saw in him. I guess what I would say about this is there's a bit of a history of hiring people with perhaps unproven. I mean, you look at when he hired Andy Reid in the late 90s, he wasn't even a coordinator. He'd been an offensive, uh, sorry, quarterbacks coach with Brett Favre in Green Bay. And he was 
just hated by Philadelphia for the first season because they drafted Donovan McNabb and he wouldn't play him and they stunk and they went 5-11. and 11. But he had a plan and, he, you know, he built um, – he had a very good defensive coordinator. He had an experienced guy in Jim Johnson who you might have heard about, quite famous um, defensive coordinator. That's not the case with – Sirianni, he's got he bought across Jonathan Gannon from the Colts, who's I believe in his late 30s. He's young. Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, is very young. I just think perhaps they could benefit from a more senior, whether or not he's a senior defensive coordinator or even an offensive assistant or somebody who's providing a little bit of you know level-headedness and experience to this coaching stuff because that's clearly something they don't have and something they're lacking. They look frazzled. They don't seem to know how to bounce back. I mean, that win they got in Carolina the other week was was luck. Um, you know, that was because the, the Carolina Panthers lost that game. Philadelphia didn't win that game. Um, Dick Vermeil is another one they hired very young. I mean, Chip Kelly was unknown entity, but he started off quite well um, from college. As to whether or not he'd be fired, I think a lot, it would have to go very, very badly. Uh, and, you know, I think like two, three wins have already got two on the season for him to be fired. I don't think Jeffrey Lewis is going to rip up the contract. The other thing we talked about uh, draft picks, they have Miami's first round draft pick. So if Miami do badly, they get that's their second. And they have the Colts, presuming Carson Wentz plays 75% of snaps or more, which is looking likely. So, again, talking about it depends on whether or not the Colts uh, have a, a worse 10, bottom 10 record. But that could be three first overall picks. So the question is, I mean, it seems like Howie Roseman just has unlimited job security. Do they want to bring in a new coaching staff for those? I think they would stick with Sirianni. But as I've said, I think they have to – look at bringing in, if it continues to go the same way it's been going this season, they have to bring in someone experienced, just just somebody, because he's clearly perhaps, uh, what's the word, a bit over his depth. And then the other thing to consider is the quarterback. They could decide they don't want Hurts and go for a quarterback in the top 10 of next year's draft. You're the draft expert on this show. Do you think there's enough? Is it a good quarterback um, class next year? No. It's mm. one of the weaker ones in recent history, really. I mean, the guy, uh, Spencer Rattler, who was touted for a long time as the uh, best quarterback in this class, just got benched. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it's not a great quarterback class. Um, You look through it, the best player is probably Kayvon Thibodeau, a pass rusher. Um, There's going to be maybe one or two quarterbacks who are probably worthy of going top 10 or 15, but it's not a great class. So, yeah, that was what I feared. And you look on the free agent market, who would they want to pick up? They don't want to get Aaron Rodgers. He's the big fish. But, um, yeah, look, I don't think Philadelphia is the kind of franchise who does fire people after one and out, you know, one and done seasons. I mean, I'm trying to – I'm looking back now to see the last time they did fire a coach after one season, 1951. So, look, it doesn't happen again a lot, but they are a proud franchise. If they do bottom out, um, you will certainly see calls for that kind of thing. Look, ultimately, I think it's an interesting proposition. I don't think so. I think what they would likely do is perhaps fire a defense coordinator, bring in someone with a bit more experience. Um, yeah, but it, it hasn't been the start, I guess, that um, Lurie wanted. When they brought him in, they thought, oh, could we have a similar situation we had in Chip Kelly's first year, you know, where they made the playoffs, even though everyone thought they were a four or five win team. It hasn't happened. Um, and Hurts in this offense is a, a big reason for that and the play call. But um, now it's certainly an interesting proposition. Um Ooh, who we got left? Okay, I'm probably going to go back to one who I think is a little bit more likely to be fired. I'm kind of there's three. I mean, actually, why don't we go with Zach Taylor because you, you brought him up, Gordo, uh, back in our discussions. Look, looking at the way since you've played and not knowing what his record is before this year, you'd think that there's no way he's in trouble. But he went what six twenty five and one 
across his first two seasons. He had four wins last year and two in his first year. That's the worst in the league across that period. Uh, back-to-back last place finishes in the north. Um, Joe Burrow injured for the, much of the second half of last year. That's why he held on because clearly that Mike Brown saw signs from Burrow when he was there. He wanted to keep him under the same offensive coaching staff. They did, and it looks like it's paying dividends. Jamar Chase, good draft pick. Um, look, he's got a couple of things working in his favour. Uh, as you probably know, Gordon, this is this kind of thing that I that I nerd out on. Cincinnati Bengals ownership, a very big history of just not firing coaches. They have extreme patience. We talk about Marvin Lewis, 16 seasons as a head coach, no playoff wins. Um, and he survived a couple of six and nine seasons at the end, six and 10 seasons. And then going back further in the early 30s, Bruce Coslett was the head coach. He won 35% of his games across five seasons and still wouldn't, they wouldn't fire him. So he resigned out of frustration. Um, and the other factor is reason why I think he's, he's most likely safe is, as I said, look at um, Joe Burrow, 72% completion rate, 12, 69 yards, 11 touchdowns, six picks. Jamar Chase, 23 catches, four, five, six yards, five scores. Joins, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Randy Moss and Calvin Ridley, the only rookies since 980 to register five or more receiving touchdowns across their first five games. Um, so given that, Gordo, I honestly think even if they miss the playoffs and they have seven wins, if Burrow continues to play it the same way and Chase and the defense is relatively good, even if they don't make the playoffs, I still think he's safe. Yeah, no, you'd have to think so. Um, there have been a few question marks, I think, this year. Uh, some of the play calling, especially towards the end of that Green Bay game last week, um, running the ball in, I think it was, what, third and five. Uh, they were close to field goal range and they ran the ball instead of trying to throw it and get the first down. They just ran it and gave the kicker way too long to kick. It. I'm not sure on Taylor. I mean, yeah, you've said just looking at it, yeah, they're three and two. Burrow is playing well. The offense is working well. They should be fine. But, yeah, it just feels like there's still a lot of speculation around it. And the fans that I've seen like on Twitter or whatever do not seem to be happy with him. And they'll obviously know better than us having actually watched the team every week. It just it feels like there's a lot of discontent still, even with a 3-2 and two record. Yeah. Um, I think perhaps you talk about play calling issues there. Perhaps a similar situation. They bring in a pretty sure he's the de facto offensive coordinator. They bring in a more experienced guy, um, Alex Van Pelt, I believe he's there. Oh, no, sorry, scratch that. Um, and a more experienced offensive coordinator or offensive um, assistant or just someone to give him a little bit of guidance because, you know, that could be an issue there. But, yeah, I think we all think that Cincinnati is building something good. Um, Joe Burrow, they've got the pieces there too, but the offensive line been a bit better this year. Um, okay, Gordo, your last pick. Um, there's a few names still left who are on the hot seat. Who are you going to go with? Again, I don't think he's ever actually going to be on the hot seat this year, but Kyle Shanahan. I think I touched on it last week. It's it's such a tough situation in San Francisco because, I mean, he's got that Super Bowl appearance a couple of years ago with a great team, but I know they've had injuries. I know they've had some horrible luck, but if you take the Super Bowl season out of it, he's gone 6-10, and 10, fourth in the West, 4-12, third in the West, 6-10, fourth in the West. And they're starting two and three this year and not looking anywhere near like a good team. At some point, you've got to start questioning, is Shanahan the right guy for the job here? I don't think there's any way he gets fired this year unless they do finish maybe two and 14, if they don't win another game, or two and 15 this year, technically, if they don't win another game. But taking the Super Bowl out of it, he's got a record of, what, 18 and 35. It's... It's not a great record. 
Yeah, and I mean, even going back oh. further than that, you take the Falcon Super Bowl into account. He's almost been the main cause of two fairly bad Super Bowl breakdowns. The 49ers were up 10 points. He went too, or he went too aggressive, or no, too conservative there. And then the whole Falcons, 28 to 3, he refused to run the ball there. And it's just, you've got to start questioning it at some point. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I could make all the excuses. I want the first season, six and 10. I believe they started off something like 0 and 10, and then they won last five Ready or six games. Yeah. When Jimmy J, yeah, spot on. And then he got injured early in 2018 and they didn't play very well. And then 2019, everything came together and they clicked it last year. Injuries decimated them again. But this year was the year, right? Um, a lot of people, I mean, even though the Rams are in the division, I saw a lot of people saying they're a, a really um, popular smoky uh, pick for the Super Bowl. Um, and a large part of that was because they liked the roster that John Lynch had put together and they liked the coaching of Shanahan. Um and you take a look at this season so far. What are they? At Detroit, yeah, they won, come back. They start off 2-0. They beat Philadelphia. Then that Green Bay game, they could easily have won that game. They don't argue about coaching there at the end. Hughes check goes in for the touchdown, leaves Aaron Rodgers' time. They lose at home to Seattle. That was a bizarre sort of game. Trey Lance comes in. They lose to Arizona. Yeah, okay, the best team in the league. Defense plays better. Um, I still think they can make the playoffs. I know you're not as high on them as me. Um I don't I agree with that. I don't think it gets five unless they go two and and what is that, 15 now. Um, but I certainly think there is heat on him. The question is, what do they change? This is a new defensive coordinator, right? And the defense, again, so long to play up, but it's been up and down. You know, he's the one who calls the play, plays. I mean, they lost uh, LaFleur, who was kind of an offensive assistant rising up in the ranks. I don't know what else they do. They put all their eggs in his basket and John Lynch's basket. Um I think it's more likely if they, even if they make the playoffs and lose and then they have another cup disappointing next season, perhaps then he's in trouble. But uh, a lot of people also tend to say that if he was fired, he'd be, you know, number one on everyone's list for hiring. So that's another, I mean, probably not in your list, Gordo, but uh, he certainly would be up there. He's quite highly regarded. Um, and for that reason, I don't think Jed, I think Jed York's probably scared of letting him go somewhere else and then win a Super Bowl. So he's probably going to hold on to him um, for quite a long period of time. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, I think he'll still be a great coordinator somewhere. It's just, yeah, some of his head coaching duties, time management, things like that, they've been below average, really, for quite a while now. Yeah, and we should stress, everyone, these are not the coaches we think are going to get fired. These are just some interesting discussions over some coaches who are perhaps in limbo and it's uncertain what their futures hold. We will now go a top three, each of us. We've avoided naming, I mean, I named Joe Judge earlier, but we've avoided naming some of the coaches. I think David Cully's an interesting one, Gordo. Um, first year, I think we both agree he was put into a very bad situation. No one was expecting him to win. It'd be a bit of a cheap shot if they hire him, don't expect anything, and then fire him after four wins. So he's not in my top three. Is he in yours? Uh, no, not at all. I think yeah. he's doing as good a job as he can with the roster that he's been given. Yeah, spot on. Um, I think there's four coaches in it for me. Um, there's Urban Meyer. I feel we talked a lot about that. There's Joe Judge. We mentioned him. There's Vic Fangio. We can get on to him. And then there's Matt Nagy um, from the Bears. They're the four that I was considering for the top four kind of positions. Is that kind of the four you were thinking about? Yeah, I think so. I think Judge, Fangio, and Nagy in particular. Mm. Meyer, if if we're only doing on-field, I don't think Urban Meyer's in trouble. He, the Jags have actually been okay. It's Yeah, it feels like Judge, Fangio, Nagy, he's been better the last couple of weeks. I think he's a good head coach. He's just not a good play caller. 
that's the problem there. He seems the locker room seems to like him. He seems good with the players. It's just that some of his play calling has been pretty poor. So when he's if he's given that up, I think he's safe. Yeah, I mean that's good. I was writing an article on this and I did a bit of research. Their players really, really like Matt Nagy. There's something about the culture and the locker room, as you mentioned, uh, kind of vibe that he brings that they really like. Next man up mentality. Similar thing to Andy Reid. Just some of his play calling. He, he just wasn't convincing. He's got uh, Bill Lazor there, who's kind of a long-time coordinator. He's given him the play calling and fields. The quote was, he liked his soothing voice in the headset. So there's a good relationship here. Uh, Sean Desai has finally got to grips with this defense, first-year coordinator. They seem to be firing. We talked about their game against Green Bay. I don't think he gets fired. A lot of people saying, oh, if they go eight and nine, make the playoffs, he'll get fired. I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think you've got to... You'd rather be contending, right, than not contending at all. I, I just don't see why you'd blow it all up for Justin Fields after one year in the NFL, again, presuming there are promising signs there. Um, and otherwise, I completely agree with your assessment. Uh, Urban Meyer, I left out of mine completely like you. If he doesn't do anything else stupid off field, he's not going to go, we don't think. I mean, their on-field performance will be, may not be good, but it was always going to be a long-term deal. Um, yeah, I've got Nagy 3, Fangio 2, Judge 1. What's your rankings? Yeah, I think mine are pretty much the same. Uh, Fangio, I don't think either of us mentioned him in the but Yeah, it just feels like he he's had the two years. There was a lot of talk as to whether he'd uh, go at the end of last year. He, he stayed on. And, I mean, they started 3-0, and uh, looked really good through three weeks, but then, obviously, they've sort of uh, had a couple of reality checks the last couple of weeks. If, what's your um, criteria for him keeping his job? Is it a playoff run or is it... Yeah. Uh, 500? It's a good question. Um, I think they have to make the playoffs. I really, really do. Um, looking back, uh, I've made the playoffs since 2015, right? They win the Super Bowl. Peyton Man retires. 2016, Trevor Simeon starts. They go 9-7. and seven. Um, They, uh, what's his name? Gary Kubiak uh, resigns. Then they hire Vance Joseph, who I'm sure you'd remember has two years especially in his second one, they were in a position to make the playoffs. They choked at the end. I think that was six and 10 in both of these years. They got rid of him. Um, Fanjo comes in, a good finish to his first year, seven and nine. Last year, a lot of people had them making the playoffs. They got, or you thought that were maybe a chance. Five and 11, Drew Locke plays poorly. Um, he gets a third year. Now, I don't know why he got a third year. You mentioned that in your um, little talk. Um, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. He's the cool, calming, collecting head. It all looks lovely in the first three weeks. And then, of course, as everyone says, they played three, oh, three teams. They did one by a combined 50 points. The defense were giving up 8.7 points a game. But these last two weeks against um, AFC North opponents, the Ravens and the Steelers have been really poor. And then there's a kind of a bad taste in their mouth. A lot of people didn't like his kind of hissy fit, I guess, over John Harbaugh and the Ravens' decision. He also had a hissy fit last season with Adam Gase in a Thursday night football game. Um, and refused to shake hands and ran off. So there's a kind of a grumpy old curmudgeonly uh, impression he gives off to some people. Uh, you look at the schedule going forward. Where are they? Denver at Cleveland after this on Thursday night football. Massive game. Washington at home. They've got to win that if they want to compete. Then at Dallas, Philadelphia. You know, I think they're headed straight for eight and nine, nine and eight territory. Whether or not that's enough to make the playoffs, who knows? Maybe if it is and he sneaks in, even if they lose in the wild card round, he survives. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a playoff appearance probably keeps his job. Um, anything less than that, even if they do have a decent record, I think they look elsewhere. Someone like a Kellen Moore or a enemy, someone like that. 
yeah, it just it, it feels like it's playoffs or bust for him this year. If you're in your third year with, I mean, it's not a, a it's not a great roster, but it's still a pretty good roster all over the place. The offense is pretty good. Uh, the defense has been playing pretty well. It, it feels like it should be a playoff team. Yeah, and I think uh, there's no way they fire it before the season's out. That's one way I, think I would say about this. Um, they've had a change in management, of course. Um, John Elway kind of moved on. He's been shafted kind of sideways in his real ownership. I'd have died a couple of years ago. They're quite stable. So they won't fire him in season. If they do, it'll be after the season. Um, and the other thing I think is perhaps if they do make the playoffs and get bundled out in the first round, they consider getting rid of Pat Shermer. He's the offensive coordinator. He's quite promising offensive coordinator at the Vikings and the Eagles. Of course, had the head coaching job. Mentioned him with the Giants was fired. Came under a lot of scrutiny last year. Um, but it's tough because... I think everything just gets bundled together. If you're winning, everyone gets praise, even the offensive coordinator and the head coach. If you're losing, they all get criticism, regardless of how the actual units are playing. So I don't – I mean, you watched the game on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Um, kind of who do you think is letting the team down more, I guess? Is it the offense or the defense for, for Denver? It feels like it's sort of just a group effort. Yeah, like you were saying, um, Sunday in particular, I don't think anyone really played that well. Uh, the coaching wasn't great. It, through the first few weeks, it felt like the defense was really carrying them, giving the offense good field position. I think an offense that's being led by Teddy Bridgewater is never going to win teams' games. It, yeah. He's good enough to manage a game. He'll um, use what the defense gives him, um, short fields, whatever, but I don't think he's ever going to be a quarterback that can actually win a team a game. He'll manage the game. He'll do well. But yeah, I think they, they're still really looking for that quarterback. All the buzz is Aaron Rodgers at the end of the year. There are all the rumours during the draft and whatever that Denver was his main uh, goal. There's still all the rumours that Denver's the main contender there. So, yeah, if if they were to get Rodgers, then maybe Fangio would have an ability to stay. I don't know if you want to change the quarterback and the coach in the same offseason. But, yeah, I, I think they're being held back by the offence at the moment. I think if Rodgers does come, they'll at least get a new offensive coordinator, if not clear house. Um, but, yeah, I think... Maybe, uh, maybe if you on. bring in Rodgers, you bring in Nathaniel Hackett with him, who's mm. been incredible for Green Bay's offense. I think, obviously, a lot of the praise has gone to Matt LaFleur up there, but Hackett's been really good after his time in Jacksonville. Didn't end as well as he probably would have hoped. He's, Do they have a good relationship, him and Rodgers? Is that kind of stronger than perhaps I him and LaFleur? So. Yeah, I guess so. Um I'd also be looking for Green Bay again. Um, their own line coach as well, Stanovich, has been nothing short of incredible this year with how the offensive lines played. So he's another real sleeper target. Again, he'd have a, probably a decent relationship with Rogers. There's a couple candidates out there that might not be getting as much traction that probably should be. Yeah, and I mean, you look there's pieces this offense: Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamlet. There's so. There's pieces here, Jerry, Judy, of course, on IR, but um, no, a fact, there's pieces here. I mean, the defense is getting a bit old. You think someone like Von Miller, does he have kind of one last championship running in maybe next season? So, and the secondary we've talked about is probably one of the better ones in the league. Um, whether or not Vanjo, you know, holds on, uh, a lot of water to pass under the bridge uh, for that. Okay, well, that was a very interesting discussion. We covered quite a few coaches. We both kind of have Joe Judge on the top of that hot seat, uh, then Fig Fangio, then you've got Matt Nagy, but Urban Meyer off-field, bit separate in the mix. We don't think David Cully is going. And then we kind of went through a few coaches that um, we're not exactly sure where they sit. Zach Taylor, Mike Zimmer, Flores, Sirianni, and even Kyle Shanahan. So um, well, I hope you enjoyed that. Good, oh, I did. Yeah, no, it was a fun discussion.
Yes, indeed. Okay, that's the end of the previous show for week six, guys. Uh, just to remind our locks of the week, Gordo's taking uh, the Cowboys in Foxborough. I'll be taking the Steelers at home against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. Uh, we'll see you all back here on Tuesday for the week six recap show. Um, yeah, we'll see you then, Gordo. And the links to our blogs are in the description, the link to Twitter in the description, and thanks to the music, Sunscreen Fun Crime, the links to that is in the description, and we'll see you all on Tuesday. Bye for now.